All right, so thank you, Sam, for uh, doing this. I. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Okay. All right, so thank you, Sam, for uh, doing this. If you guys don't know, uh, I go to the University of Maryland, and Sam also goes to the University of Maryland. And he's a software engineer. I'm in my second year, and I asked to interview him, so we're doing this. Um, so, Sam, yeah. first off, introduce yourself to the audience and just tell us about what you do. Who are you? Absolutely. Uh, so Ben forgot to mention I was his RA. Um, so yeah, that's another thing that you should always kind of make contacts. Um, yeah. So that's something we will definitely get into in this podcast. But my name is Samrat Jha. I graduated last year, 2018, and I've been a software engineer working at Appian ever since. Um, yeah, that's, that's just about it. That's my introduction. <laughs> All right, cool. So, so Sam, you were you were my RA first year, and I remember you were you were always working on something. You always had um, something new. And kind of one cool project that you worked on, uh, was this your first year, the Pinpointer project? Uh, yeah, so Pinpointer kind of came about second year, I would say. Okay. Um, so we were part of the honors program. We were part of the same honors program. And our capstone project is you have to come up with an idea, right? Like an entrepreneurship idea, something that can turn into a viable company. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of came up with this uh, idea about geo-addressing. So I was born and raised in Nepal. And we don't have addresses there, right? So if I had to tell you where I live, I'd say, go to that hospital, walk down 40 steps, take a left, take a right, boom, you're at my house, mm -hmm. black door, right? Something yeah. like that. Um, and if you guys are watching from somewhere else around the world, this is a problem like a lot of people face, right? Uh, so I, that kind of got us thinking into, how can we make this better? Like we, we're software engineers, there, there's gotta be a better way, right? There's gotta be a better way than saying left, right, up, down. Uh, so we kind of came up with this idea of using your geolocation to give you an address, right? So this would be like some name that you could give it, right? Like Ben's house, Sam's house. And then that would just be your geo coordinates. And what you would do is since everything is landmark based, you would walk from your house. So let's say that building over there is our landmark. You just walk over there and have your app running. Mm -hmm. um, and it would kind of create a breadcrumb path to your, the nearest landmark. And that would be like your way of describing where you live, right? Like you would give these coordinates to a delivery person and say, go to that landmark, follow this, you'll get to my house. Um, so we kind of came up with the idea and it, it did really well. We got a lot of good response from it. And we we're just like, you know what, let's just kind of create a company out of this. And mm -hmm. then so for a year, year and a half, kind of just went all over the place, man. We went to so many conferences, a lot of uh, startup pitch competitions, and we actually got like tremendous response out of it. Um, so it, it did seem very viable to us, uh, but eventually like, we're thinking about graduation and all that. It kind of becomes hard to keep it all up, especially with job offers coming. Uh, so we kind of put that on pause, but yeah, that's definitely something I would love to continue in the future. Cool, cool. So one thing that fascinated me when I knew you my first and second year was you were like always, like I was saying, working on stuff, traveling around, and you, you did an internship at the Information um, Sciences Institute, and that was in Los Angeles. Could could you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, this was the most random thing, right? So this was my sophomore year. I had no internships lined up. This was March. I was, I was struggling, man. And I, I know some of your audience, like, they're on that same boat, right? They're like, oh, I don't have an internship. What's going on? So I kind of just did a Hail Mary and applied to this research program at USC. Um, it's the University of Southern California. Um, and I was just like, there's no way I'm going to get it. They only had room for, like, one undergrad research intern. Uh, but I had the exact skills necessary for that job 
And I actually got that my freshman year. I worked on campus for a professor and he, his research was around R, like that's a data analysis. Yeah, the language. Uh, yeah, the language, right. So I did that and I was like, oh, this pointless, like this is gonna get me nowhere. That's what I was thinking when I was doing the internship, right? But I still worked on it. And turns out the program at USC had the exact need for that, right? Um, so that's like another cool like thing to worry about. Like just because you're doing something and it doesn't seem like very applicable, it, it might work out, man. Um, so yeah, it kind of worked out for me. I got the research internship. I flew out to Los Angeles. I got the offer like March, so super late. I had like no idea what I was gonna do that summer. Um, so if you're on the boat, you know, just, just just stay the course, man. It, it, something will work out for you. Um, so that's kind of what happened. We went to Los Angeles. I worked at USC. Uh, it, honestly, it was, it was it was a great summer. It was 18 of us, I think. Um, we just kind of just all lived on the same floor, had a ton of fun, and it was a college town, right? So I, w- I felt like a college kid just doing an internship. Um, so a lot of it was like paid for and subsidized because uh, a lot of these research programs get like good grants for it. Um, I actually learned a ton there, like like real software engineering, uh, even though it was in like a research setting. Um, so it wasn't like a big company or anything, but honestly, a lot of the a lot of the times at these smaller settings where you have like big responsibilities to deliver, I think that's where you learn the most. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And so we're we're talking about your internship experiences, but something I kind of want to hit on is. How was your time as a student in your first two years? Did you find school easy? What were the what were the most challenging things that you found as a student? Did any classes challenge you specifically? Yeah, I, w- I was a good kid in terms of like my academics, but it, it didn't come easy, right? So initially, I was actually a comp sci major, um, but then I got to thinking, I was like, oh, do I really want to program for four years? I don't know if that's for me, but l- let me keep an option open. So I switched into computer engineering just in case I didn't love, love software development. I could always rely on my engineering skills a little bit. Um, so that's kind of what I did my first two years, just trying to switch into computer engineering, getting all my classes in. Um, and honestly, a lot of times the classes, to me, a lot of the engineering classes were, were a struggle. I really love my comp classes, so it kind of didn't work out for me, right? Um, I thought I wouldn't love software development, so I did engineering, but I ended up hating, not hating, but like not liking my engineering classes that much, and I wish I was comp sci. Mm-hmm. Um, so the classes are, were definitely a struggle, the engineering classes, but the comp sci classes, um, I did struggle on my first two classes because I had never programmed before. I was one of those kids that was like, oh, I'll do software development because I built one website, right? Uh, n- never a good way to do it, but I did it. And so first couple of classes, I struggled a lot, um, and, but it, it kind of came through. I had some good people around me that helped me out. So yeah, a lot of the classes, they, they, they were kind of difficult, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but sometimes you just got to have the right people around you that teach you things that help you out. And so I wouldn't say my experience was easy, but it kind of consolidates and eventually ends up becoming something you kind of like get used to. And by the, by the time my senior year came around, when I had all the internships, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. School was more of a formality, right? Something that's got to get done so I can go do what I really enjoy, which is software development in the industry. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said that, the idea of having good people around you, because there's a lot of things that really challenge me, um, like assignments I do, classes. But one of the things that helps me the most is like, knowing the right people to know when know when to ask help and through that you can learn a lot instead of just being stuck you can be humble enough to know that you can just ask someone can you help me 
and and uh, get through an assignment or project or difficult concept. Okay, so that's your. We got through your first internship, your um, time at university through classes. So, take me through your next internship. You worked at J.P. Morgan. I did. So, um, so that one was also kind of out of the blue. Um, it was, I think, one of my very first interviews I did. Right. Uh, it was on campus. I'm still like going through career fairs, like wondering like what a technical interview looks like. Because remember, my first two internships, one was on campus with a professor. And second one was me just kind of getting this research internship thing. So I had never actually done, I'd done technical interviews, but I'd never actually passed one, right? Um, and JP Morgan's interview, like that was like, I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, but I'll go. It's a bank. It's well known. I have their card, right? Um, so I kind of went into the interview. It was decently technical, but like nothing like I needed lead code for or anything, right? Um, and then I ended up getting the offer, right? And at that time, I was like interviewing at other places, and this is one of those things where you have an offer in the hand, and you're like, "Oh, but I could do better." Mm-hmm. And you, you're kind of sitting there, you're like, "Oh, do I accept this and then renege, or not accept it because I know I can do better?" Um, and and that's something that a lot of people actually go through. Um, so I, I I was just like, "Listen, J.P. Morgan, it's not like a terrible company, right? It, it's a good bank. Um, it's well known. It's like the biggest bank in the country. Uh, I'll probably meet a lot of cool people there. I'll, I'll learn about a whole new industry, right?" Uh, it doesn't have to be like rock star, like software development jobs. Um, anything that gets you experience to me is worth it. So I took the JP Morgan offer. I was like, it's going to be in Delaware. It pays good. The package is good. Um, I knew the kid. Uh, I knew the, one of the kids from, my, from exactly my floor that was also going to work there. So we just ended up rooming together. And it was actually like a great experience, right? I, I met a couple of really good friends. Um, they're out in like SF now, uh, working at one of the big companies. So it's like, it's just your network, right? Mm-hmm. Your network just ends up growing. Yeah. Especially at a company like JP Morgan, which is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interns and people coming through every summer. Uh, so I just met a ton of people. It, it was at a cool place. So yeah, it, does, it doesn't need to be a rock star internship, right? Um, you, can, you can have fun. You can have a ton of fun. I think I had more fun than a lot of my friends that worked at all these like super high-tech companies. Um, so it, it's, it's really less about the name and more about like what you can learn out of this. And what I got out of JP Morgan working at like a, such a rigid banking and they had like a lot of procedures and everything, it kind of like lets you understand what you like and what you don't like. Um, so I learned that I don't like meetings, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot yeah. of these like banking companies, you, you do a lot of meetings. So it's something you discover by yourself. So no internship, I think, has ever gone in vain to me uh, from a lot of my discussions. Like my first semester when I did the research internship on campus that didn't go to waste because i got my next internship because of that right and when i worked at jp morgan i got some experience and knowledge about what i like um so i, I don't think you need a, like a super high-tech internship I, I think you just need one right anything mm-hmm. just get something get some experience that's all that matters mm-hmm. okay cool okay so those are your internships through college and you have really great insights on making the transition from your senior year to going into the workforce because you're a software engineer and engineer now. And one thing I kind of want to get into is negotiating offers. So you had multiple offers and you had to find the best one and, and weigh what was right for you. So what kind of advice do you have to give people on that people with multiple offers? Yeah. So I, I think this was the toughest part of my senior year, right? Um, Cause you're trying to handle all your classes and suddenly you're going through all this phase of career fairs and, interviews and by the time you're a senior you're kind of like well sought after uh so a lot of the companies like 
really want you right at that point because you're a senior they're looking for full-time workers less than interns or more than interns um so you kind of just get these flurry of interviews so i was doing interviews left right and center every single day of every single week um there was a point where i had two interviews a day for a solid week right five days a week i was just doing in- interviews i had exams and so that can be a lot to handle uh but once you get these offers right it, it feels like so worth it so i had eight offers to consider wow. by like october yeah. right um uh, but so that sounds like a big number but i had applied to like legitimately like a thousand jobs right? yeah so so my success rate is like 0.008 mm-hmm. um so it's that that part's really difficult once you have a lot of offers because you're like let me just collect all these offers then i'll decide well once you get to a point where you have like seven or eight it's like wow i'm getting something here i'm getting something here i'm getting something here i i just can't make sense of it right um but having said that i would definitely advise everyone to just get as many offers as you can right um a lot of times companies give you three or four week grace period to like determine like if you want to take the offer and sometimes you're interviewing like me in like a short two week sprint right um so you just get all the offers you can right you can sit down and think about it all you can but do not turn down an interview because you're like oh i already have an offer right i always believe that like you should be the you should be the owner of your own fate So just get as many offers as you can, sit down and then you can deliberate, right? And I can tell you guys what I did to deliberate is mostly just like ask people around you like, "Oh, I heard you worked at this company," right? Um so a couple of the companies, so I got offers from like very different sectors, so I had like banking offers because of JP Morgan. Um and I had software engineering like core software engineering like tech companies jobs. Um and I had like consulting, I had defense contracting offers. So that's also what I try to focus on was just try to reach out and get like different offers from different sectors uh so to speak uh cuz if you like put your head down and just go for like oh i want these eight companies from sf i think you're going to miss out on a lot um especially cuz i learned a ton about these companies right about like how they work what's good about them what's not good about them um like a lot of times at defense contracting companies you get like great benefits right like your salary might not be super high but the benefits you get underneath is amazing right like it's top tier kind of deal um So you learn a lot about the industry itself by just getting a lot of interviews and getting a lot of offers. Um but my core approach to determining what the offer was first like the pack the pay package matters, right? Like I understand everyone like hears about huge compensation packages and everything. And I'm not going to say like pay doesn't matter, but um it's not it shouldn't be your core component because a lot of times you can get lured in by like a big pay package but then understand that the refresh rate of your stock options isn't that good. right or that it vests 10% for the first 2 years and then 10% for the next 2 years and then 80% so you have to be at the company for 6 years to get all your stock options mm-hmm. right um so you kind of have to be thinking about a lot of this don't get lured in by like just straight numbers i actually dig into the offer and say okay what is my stock options how what is the benefits package like what's your 401k man cuz a lot of times salary is like this this percent of yeah. what a company actually spends on you right so you can actually get like 150 160 but then the rest of the uh options you get and the benefits you get don't actually add up that much as if if you had taken like a 100k off or right or something like that. Um so it's really important for you to like really dig into the offers and not just take like pay scale at value because I think that's what a mistake a lot of people make, right? They're like, "Oh, I got the 150 job. This it." Uh but in the long run it kind of like hurts you, right? So you have to like understand what your benefits is like. So for me like 401k and just work life balance is super important. So I immediately discounted companies where I heard that you had to work like 50 hour work. That's not me, right? It might be some of you guys, but it's just not me. 
So, and then, so the biggest thing I can say is if you have an offer from a company, go on LinkedIn. Um, like a lot of times it says 16 people from your school work here, yeah. right? Just reach out to one of them and just mm -hmm. be like, listen, like I'm in the same position as you. What made you want to pick this company? Uh, what were like some deciding factors for you? And listen to other people's opinion for sure. Uh, but again, you only have like a three week time to do this, right? So just really stay on top of this. Uh, there's no like, oh, I'll just leave this for the last two days. Because you might, you might discover something about an offer that you didn't think was like there, right? Like about the refresh rates and uh, the percent of vesting. Um, so a lot of the times the information, you have to like be on top of it. Uh, and definitely, definitely, definitely reach out to people in your network. And this is why I like emphasize the fact that you should build a big network. Because um, you, you're not going to work at some obscure company, right? You're going to work at a company someone's worked there before. Your job is to find them. Your job is to talk to them. Your job is to figure out what are the pros and cons of the company, right? And what matters to you. Um, so at the end of it, what I would suggest is like, you keep like a top three things what you want, right? If you want pay, fine, like that's you, but keep that, right? And say, okay, now I'm just gonna filter based on pay. Move to the next point, filter based on that, filter based on that. 90% of the times you'll end up with one or two companies, right? And then it makes your job so much easier. And at that point, like reach out to more people and then say, okay, now I'm deciding between two. And that's what happened to me. Eight offers eventually became like two. And then, because I, I valued work life, I valued um, the underlying compensation packages. And most of all, I actually valued like the environment that I was going to be working on. Um, I didn't want to work at like a super, super big company, but because it's like so easy to get lost. Um, so I kind of wanted like a smallish companies uh, and that kind of immediately filtered out a couple, right? Um, some of these big companies, I, I was never going to work there. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say definitely yeah, your network is so important. That's why before you get to that point, you, you, you just have to build out your network. Um, because if you're in your senior year and you know like six people that work in the software industry, it, it's too late. Yeah. Um, so you have to start early. Okay. My take on it. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of great points. Starting early, getting a ton of offers, reaching out to people and, and weighing them based on what you're looking for. And if you're, if you're someone who doesn't want to work a ton of hours a week, like an astronomical amount where you lose life balance, maybe that one offer is not for you. And if you have a ton of offers, it's easy to filter that. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Okay. So Sam, you got all these offers and you had to decide between them. So what did your decision end up being and what did you do from there? Uh, so I kind of get this spoiler in the beginning, right? I ended up picking Appian. Mm -hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know, it's, it's, a software development company, um, it helps you, it builds a platform that allows companies to build apps super easy, like drag and drop kind of deal. Um, so they're a local company in Virginia. Um, so I picked them because uh, they hit all of my requirements, right? Which was like, I wanted it to be a small company and Appian at this point had 300 engineers, right? So it's a super small company and they had just IPO'd. Um, they actually had the most successful IPO of the year uh, when they IPO'd. So it's, it's a very like, lean mean company that like knows what it's doing and when i was there the the recruitment process was amazing like i had met recruiters from appian uh like my freshman year um so again it's it's all about contacts right so freshman year when i met the recruiters like i was like listen i know i'm not ready for you guys yet but can you look at my resume and tell me what i could improve on and they gave me like great tips right and then i just kept the resume and just kept going year after year talking to more appian engineers more appian recruiters and like at that point i was like I don't know if I'm ever going to work here, but senior year comes around, I get an offer. I'm like, wow, this is where I want to work. Um, so that, that'd be like another one of my points. Just don't discount a company just because you don't think they have the name recognition or you're, 
they're not like the top top tier because you never know what their offer is actually like right um so from the from the outside it can look like oh Appian's a small company doesn't have like too too much name recognition as much as like the sf companies uh but i actually turned down one of those big companies right the big top four companies uh for an Appian offer mm -hmm. um and that's because i just sat down i'm like listen i don't care about the name too too much i care about what my work is going to look like I, i have a ton of friends that work at um all these big companies and they're always like oh like it's it's just so stressful because there's so much going on right uh, but at Appian, it was like, there's one product, everyone's working on that. So there's not like this franchise, like, oh, this team has like so much more pressure than this team because you're all kind of building the same product, mm -hmm. right? Um, whereas a lot of the other companies, they have like hands in so many places that this team might actually end up working like so much versus this team, right? So everyone just seemed really relaxed when I went into Appian. And I talked to some of the people there and we were like, yeah, I turned on offers from all these big companies to be here. And I asked them, right, that this is what I was getting to earlier. I just asked them, I was like, what made you pick Appian over other companies? And they kind of said the same thing. They were like, listen, there's 300 engineers here. The CEO is like five floors up. You can walk by his room every day. And at my interview, at my super day, uh, my final round, the CEO actually interviewed me, right? I walked into the CEO's office, sat down with him, shook his hand. This guy's like a billionaire, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, and, then, well. and then, yeah, he's, he's well. just leading this company. And then he's still making time to interview, right? And then so I sat down with him and then I walked past like the VP of engineering, right? And he was just hanging out at the social. And I was like, this is kind of where I want to work at, right? Because the VP of engineering knew like regular like engineers. And that wouldn't happen to a lot of companies. And I was like, okay, if I worked here and made some impact, someone would see like immediately, right? There's 300 people and um, everyone seemed like they kind of knew each other, which was also cool because it's like, oh, I don't know about this. Like everyone that has ever worked on the project is in like two floors, right? Just yeah. about two floors. So you can just kind of reach out to people. You can just swing by their cubicle. So it's, it doesn't seem distant, which was what I really enjoyed is I wanted to go to a company that didn't seem distant, that I didn't seem like I was so far away from making an impact, so far away from the product that I was never going to get recognized. Um, and when I went into Appian, I felt like that was it. And that was like one of my top three requirements, right? And obviously their compensation and everything kind of fit my uh, need for it because I'm from this area. so. They're close to home as well. Uh, and that's something, if you value that, right, uh, that's something you, you should keep in mind. So that's kind of how I ended up at Appian. Um, I, had, I was considering three offers. Um, two of them were in the region. One of them was from one of the big companies. And I kind of just decided I kind of wanted to stay close to home. I kind of wanted to work at a company that was small enough where I could actually make an impact. And I, I don't regret my decision at all. Like every day I go into work, um, I, ha I just have fun. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted. So for people with multiple offers, in order to find that fit, because you found the fit with Appian, do you think they should, beyond just messaging contacts, do you think they should actually like visit the actual location if they can? Um, how do you think they can make that choice more wisely as to the culture fit? Yeah, good point. This is the hardest part, right? Because you actually go to like onsite, and I've been to onsite on every one of these companies that you can like name, right? Because I was going through so much like interviewing, um, and it's just you kind of just sit there. You're like, I don't think this is the right day to day, right? And it's really hard to judge. I get it. I'm very sympathetic to it because you just don't know what it's going to be like once you get there, right? Um, but I would say use your interview time. I know a lot of people like, and this was me too, right? You sit down at a technical interview, you're just like, oh, I got to get the O of N solution, right? Or yeah. log N solution, yeah. and I got to get these questions, and then by the time I'm done, that's it. That's the end of my interview. I'm done. I feel I feel good about solving the problem. Let's move on, right? But 
the last 10 minutes when the interview is like, do you have any questions for me? I think that's the most important part, right? Mm-hmm. That's actually what's going to help you determine if you want the job. You can get the offer in the first 50 minutes. The last 10 minutes is what determines if you're going to take it. Um, so don't waste your 10 minutes, right? Don't just be like, oh, what, what technology do you use? It's such a hard thing to answer. If someone asks me that, and I'm going through like interviewer training at my work because I want to be an interviewer, if someone asks me that, I'll be like, listen, I, I work on like 10 different things. Like mm-hmm. That's not what you should be asking. Yeah. What you should sit there and ask is, what does your day-to-day look like? Like, what do you actually enjoy about this? Uh, like, if there's one thing you could change, like, that's one of my favorite questions. Like, um, everyone's told me great things about the company, but if there's one thing you would want to change, what would it be, right? And just be, like, candid about it. Like, it's not a gotcha question. It's just like, listen, your company is not perfect. Just tell me what you wish you would change. Uh-huh. And if they say something, they were like, if, if they, if, to me, if someone had said, oh, I wish I worked less hours, like, because there's too much deadline, immediate red flag, right? I, I would probably just walk out. I'd be like, listen, this is not for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I understand that like different teams have different like focuses and everything. But if you, that's the general sense you're getting that people are like overworked at this company, to me, that would have been like huge red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I could have done great on those interviews. But the last 10 minutes, I usually reserve time to just say, give me a sense of what it would be like to come here every day, right? If I can't get that sense at the end of my interview, I'm probably not going to take the offer, mm-hmm. right? Um, so at Appian, like everything from the beginning, like first presentation to everyone I was talking to, it just seemed like I could just imagine coming there the next day and everything would be the same. Like there's no front, there's no facade, there's no one lying to me, right? Um, so that's something I would say, like, if you're on site, that's your chance. Like you have like a huge advantage. You have a huge opportunity to just understand what it's like to work there. And if you're not using that time and if you're just sitting there thinking, oh, my next interview is going to be this guy, so let me, like, take five minutes at the end of this interview, just sit down, like, that's fine, but listen, like, no no one hired someone just because they could solve every problem, right? When I'm sitting opposite, like, this is going to be my philosophy when I interview is, if I can't imagine working next to you, like, you can be the smartest dude, right? But you're going to come in, you're not going to know the product. So I'm going to have to teach you anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm looking at you, like, are you teachable? Are you workable? Um... So, and that's what you should ask me, right? You should try to see if you can work to the guy that's, work with the guy that's interviewing you. Um, and I think a lot of it like kind of falls to the cracks because there's such a focus on like, get this interview right, get the login solution. Um, and I think a lot of people waste the time because if an interview is asking you, do you have any questions for me? And you don't take that opportunity. I don't think that job's right for you, right? Because mm-hmm. you haven't fully understood what it's like to work there. You're just going off the name recognition. You're just going off what people have told you. You've never actually made the sensible cost-benefit analysis of what it's like to work there. You've never actually understood if that's what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, th- That these are all really great points. Um, and this is something that I've, I actually saw a LinkedIn post like two or three days ago, and it was like a checklist of things to ask in the last 10 minutes, like you mentioned. And the way... So the the post was oriented in like a way where it's like beneficial for the candidate and it's like all trying to help the candidate, right? But the thing is, it's like a transactional mindset. Like from a candidate's point of view, like you're nervous, you're scared. And those last 10 minutes, you just want to say, what is the output that I need to do to get, you you know what I mean? Like the reason I think that's such a great point is because you see those last 10 minutes as the candidate's it's it's in the candidates part of the court to do their part of the process instead of being interviewed um 
So I thought that was really interesting. When people say when people say interviewing is a two way street, this is so true, right? Mm -hmm. That's your chance to interview someone else. Why are you wasting it? Yeah. Right. Why are you wasting it asking? Oh, do you guys get free food? Sure. If that matters to you, you can ask that. But that last 10 minutes is like sacred to me, right? Mm -hmm. I could have done whatever I wanted in the interview. I could have aced it. I could have failed it. But if in the last 10 minutes, I don't get what I want, that onside wasn't worth it for me, mm -hmm. right? And then you get 10 minutes with each interviewer, especially with a manager. Th this is something uh, I'm going to go back and uh, kind of amend is the, your interview with your manager, wh whatever manager position is going to interview you, that's like so critical, mm -hmm. right? Like you should ask them what it means to manage someone at that company. Like what's the philosophy behind it? Because you're going to have one behavioral interview, right? Don't just use it to like just sell yourself. Use it to like interview them too. The behavioral interview, I think, is something that's not focused on enough, um, which, which is fair. A lot of times it comes down to technical interviews, but that should be your time. All right. So that was really good advice about doing, getting those last 10 minutes right and making sure that you choose the right company after you get an offer, making sure it's the right choice. So you made your choice and you chose Appian. So kind of take me through the transition into being a college student to becoming someone in the workforce and what did your day-to-day -day end up looking like yeah this one is um i think the biggest gap between what you think is going to happen and what actually happens uh because the whole time in college when you're interviewing and stuff you just have this mindset you're like oh i'm going to learn all these algorithm problems i'm going to go into the company and then they're going to like have some like cool problem that i'm going to apply and uh, like quick sword to and solve right and it's yeah. it's just not the case yeah. it's just not the case and the, the, the production, the production code and everything that's happening at these companies is so high level mm -hmm. that you, you're just looking to implement a solution, right? A lot of times, the, here's a dirty little secret, like the space complexity and like, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Mm -hmm. The yeah. processors in today's world is like too advanced for yeah, it to matter, yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you're working with like terabytes and terabytes of data. Uh, so a lot of times, I think that's the biggest gap in like what you think you're going to do at a company and what you actually end up doing. Um, so I think orientation at your new company is a, is a good chance for you to just kind of get a sense of what's going to happen. And that's, I would say, your time to switch from being like a college kid that has all these ideas about a company to working. Like you have like a two week grace period where no one's going to question you. They're all just going to be, oh, he's just a college kid, right? They're all just going to be understanding. And you should take that time to kind of like bet into it, right? Bet into the company culture, bet into what you're going to do. Um, so I think that's a critical period where you just like go through all these documentation, all these onboarding and stuff like that. And like, you can only do so much on your own. Um, the, the most critical thing, and like this is something I emphasize a lot to any of my friends is like, just reach out to people, man. If you guys have like a Google chat group or at your company and you're like, oh, I want like, I know I'm gonna be on this team. I know I'm gonna work on this thing. Oh, I see that this guy has a lot of pull requests related to this part of the code, let me just reach out to him and say, what does your day look like? Do you guys have a Jira board I can look at? Like, do you guys have some like documentation about like everyday things? Uh, so just try to get into the mindset during orientation in the first couple of weeks. You just settle down and be like, what could my day, what does my day-to-day -day look like of my coworkers and how that's gonna apply to me? Um, so I think that's the biggest jump in what, what you think is gonna happen at a company and what actually happens. You, you have an idea of what you're gonna do at work and sometimes like it's not a lot of the case. Um, because you think you're going to solve all these like algorithm problems and whatnot, right? Um, and most of the times, it, it that's not really what you do. Like a lot of times, it's just day-to-day -day things. You're getting like small bits of code to work on, uh, small work, small incremental work. If you work at a lot of these um, agile companies, it's very incremental, right? 
you're never going to tackle like a huge problem, uh, like huge production level problem that you're going to spend like weeks on. And in college, right, when you're doing on a project, you can actually work like a week, right, because you're building everything from scratch. You're like, here's a project description. I'm going to build out this whole thing. Mm -hmm. That's never the case, right? And if that's the case at your company, good luck to you, man, because uh, that's hard. Because yeah. there's a lot of architectural level problems that a lot of people are going to have input on. And you're probably never going to get to that point for the first couple of years, right? Uh, I was lucky to do that in my company because I was kind of working outside of the product and my first team. Uh, but those chances are very far and few limited. So if I had to say something about how you can prepare to go into the real world in college is to just contribute to an open source project. Like, honestly, that's it, right? You get to a repo and you're like, I have no idea what this code is. And then you look at some of the issues, people are talking about it, this is the issue, this is the thing. It's a very small thing that you might need to know the rest of the code for, but it's like a small problem, right? Um, and that's kind of what you do at work, right? You walk in, the code's already been done, right? A lot of people have contributed to it, a lot of people have built it. You're kind of just sitting there clicking through things, trying to see where this method is called, trying to see how it all kind of fits in. And if you kind of spend your first few days just wondering how this entire repository is built, you're, you're going to get so lost. Like, you don't have any idea what this information is, where it's coming from, why it's being done. Um, so if you really wanted to be, like, super ready for work, uh, beyond just, like, talking to people about, like, what technology you use and stuff like that, um, I would say to just kind of work on legacy code, right? Like, even if it's your friend, like, they've done, like, a website or something, just be like, oh, can I contribute to this? Can I build one thing? Right. If you can add one thing to a already in production project, I think that's like preparing you for the real world so much more than like building something up from scratch is. Because building up something up from scratch obviously is like super important and you learn a lot about like architectural thinking and I'm not gonna discount that at all. I think it's super important, but to be to be like fair, is your everyday is most likely gonna be you're contributing something to an already built thing. So Kind of get experience with that. Something's already built. Try to add something to it, right? Because th that gives you a habit of reading through other people's code and understanding how it works. Um, and so I think that's the biggest gap between what you do in college and uh, and a lot of times in this upper level class, you actually do end up doing that, right? Uh, like there's a skeleton built out for you and then you can have like plug and play. Um, so kind of just start focusing on projects like that. Do more open source work. Because um, especially if you have like a lot of like GitHub interactions, um, and stars on your repository forks and stuff like that. That that's I think is so much is preparing you so much better to just kind of jump in than anything else. Like you could read a lot of clean code, uh, but let's say so when you sit down and read through legacy code, you're like, I'm not going to refactor this, right? I'm not going to make this look clean code. I'm not going to apply uh, quicksort all these algorithms to it. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of going to plug it, and then I'm going to try to do my best to like improve it. Um, so yeah, I would say. That's the biggest thing you can do uh, to kind of get ready for the real world. And so you asked me about like my day-to-day -day at Appian, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my day-to-day -day at Appian is most like, so we have very flexible work schedules. So we have this concept of core hours, which is 10 to 4. So you're kind of expected to be available 10 to 4. Um, so Appian's a very remote-friendly company. So even if you're remote, right, it's fine. Just kind of be available 10 to 4. Uh, but again, it's not a hard and fast rule. So I come to work at like 9.45, sit down, check my emails, check some old chats and stuff like that. And we have stand up at 10. Um, so I'm actually like backup squad coach for my team. So I kind of lead stand up um, alongside the actual squad coach on my team. Um, so I kind of lead stand up and we just go through our Jira board and say, okay, what's in progress? What's in QE review? Um, 
what's in code review, what are you working on, what's in the backlog, how are you looking. And so we have this thing called like a sprint map, which is essentially all the features my team has committed to delivering for the company for a quarter. And then we're kind of just tracking it, right? It's like, how far is this? Is this done? Is this not? Is this done? Is this not? And we do it very incremental. I think at Appian, we really focus on like, just don't take on this huge thing, right? Just kind of break it down, just really like focus on it um, and do your planning, do your research, do your, we call spikes, which is just exploratory stuff, right? Like you don't have to get it like working, just figure out what your limitations are. Um, so day to day, we just go through our stand-up board, identify if uh, like something's been sitting in code review for a lot and if someone can volunteer to look at it. Um, so at Appian, and this is something I enjoyed a lot, which is we have these concepts of like squads. Uh, so squads are like, they're supposed to be fully autonomous, right? You basically don't have any cross-squad dependencies. Um, so a cross-squad dependency would be like another team that has something that you need, right? That's like really frowned upon or that's something we're trying to move away from uh, as much as possible. So my team actually has like zero cross-squad dependencies, right? Whatever we need, we have it. Um, and we deliver straight to our customers. Um, so I, I really like my team for that reason is I enjoy just working on things just straight up without like being like, oh, I got to wait on like that guy from that team who's out today. Um, and I think Appian does like a really good job of minimizing that as much as possible, especially through like just the culture of it. Um, so yeah, my day to day, we just go through the stand up and then we're like, then we go in and then we figure out what we're going to do for the day and we kind of just implement it. So we have a lot of fun at my team. Um, so we have like challenges. We like discuss things like WWE and stuff like that. And that's like really important. Like this is what I was getting to earlier with like asking people what it's like to work there every day. And every squad is different, every team is different. Uh, but that's something like, you should be able to sit there. Like I go into work every day, I'm like, I'm just gonna have fun today, right? We have like no super huge deadlines. Uh, actually, no. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have like no strict deadlines. None of us are like super under pressure. We, we just have fun. And then we implement what we gotta implement. We pair up with people. Um, so a lot of it's like not super exciting, but I think what the exciting part is you just know you're working on a team where you can do what you want. Um, and you're like delivering value, but like, you're not super stressed about it at 4 PM or something. Everyone kind of leaves. I kind of stay because I have a bad commute. So I just spend time at work, like learning about other things. Um, and I can get into like the company culture more. Uh, but that's kind of what my day to day looks like. Cause we have different segments of what we do. So yeah. my, if you were asking for a generic day-to-day, -day, that's what it's like. You go through stand-up, you work on something, you kind of go home. Like, we don't get called at work. We, go, we don't get called at home. No, no one's expected to work once you go home. So once I go home, I don't have my email on my phone or anything. So once I go home, it's done. Like, I forget about work. I go in the next day. Whatever fire has been caused, we fix it then. So you talked about the commute and this is this is actually something that i, I want to go into a little although it's kind of like trivial but um so this summer i'm gonna have like i'm gonna have to bike 15 minutes to the train station take an hour train ride up to the bay area another 10 minute ish bike um for someone going back to negotiating offers if you have multiple offers if you have a amazing offer but it's a crazy commute versus a less optimal offer but right next to your home yeah. which would you choose that's a difficult one so uh, the commute is very understated um like i didn't realize how bad my, i was like oh it's in reston i live in college park 
it's bad, but it's like not the worst thing. But you you got to think about all the prep slash the works your work work time that you're setting up. So my thing is, even if I left at four, right, I would be stuck in traffic for like two hours. I don't want to do that. I could get home at six if I really wanted to, but that would mean I would have to leave at four because uh, traffic is just so bad, right? So I end up not wanting to do that. So I stay at work till six, right? Just doing whatever I want, just finishing up my old things. I come in late. I kind of like slack throughout the day a little bit because uh, I know I'm just going to end up working like yeah. a few more hours yeah. later. So I don't like go extra hard um, at work. Uh, so if I have some downtime, like whatever I have to catch up, like some documentation, uh, filling out something for my manager, stuff like that, I leave for after like 4 or 5 p.m. And then I go to the gym at like 7 and then I leave work at 8, right? So even though I live like super close by, my day really looks like 10 to 8, right? And I'm not working the whole time. Uh, like from 4 to 8, I basically consider my free time, right? I'm just hanging around, watching videos, doing my thing. Um, and no one's like kind of on me for that. Um, so that, that's a really tough one. If there's, you, uh, the real point is you have to consider the commute and everything. It, 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 it could take a toll, right? So at this point, I'm considering next year to actually live close to my work. Um, so I can actually do like regular hours, leave when everyone leaves um, and not have like this awkward position where I'm leaving work at eight, right? That looks bad, right? Uh, but it's it's something to consider for sure. But I don't think it was that high on my list. Like mm -hmm. I was willing to move just about anywhere if I really enjoy the company. Uh, I was lucky enough that this was relatively close so I can live at home and do that. But at home, right? Like we have dinner already, already there. Um, my parents just have stuff going on. Like dinner's cooked, everything's done. Like once I get home, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, so it's definitely pros and cons, um, but that's a good point. You you shouldn't understate the the importance of commute and everything because that can actually take a toll like physically and mentally. Uh, so at some point you're just like, I'm at work from 10 to 8 every day. Like yeah. that sucks. And if you yeah. were actually expected to work from 4 to 8, that would suck for me, right? Mm, yeah. I'd be like, wow, I could go home, so, but it's either sit in traffic or get this work done. And that's not a good choice at all. Yeah. Okay, great. So we talked about your day to day. And this is kind of a more wide ranging question. So you're just starting off your career. Um, you just came out of college and now you're in the workforce at Appian. Kind of where, what is your target in the near future of where you want to take your career? What, what kind of fields interest you and where do you kind of see yourself going? Yeah, so that's something I would say you should be mindful of mm -hmm. as soon as you join the workforce is where do I actually want this to go, right? If you wanna, if you wanna be a coder, Props to you, but you should like think about that, right? You should think about all the tracks that are available at your companies. So at Appian, we have this track where everyone starts out at SE1, and then you go to SSE2 or SE2, and then you become senior software engineer. And at that point, your path diverges into three places, right? You can go into more of the agile and processes part, where you become like a uh, squad coach, a scrum master, and like lead the processes at your company. And there's a straight track that it's straight software development, right? You become like manager of software development. You become like architect and stuff like that. Um, well, not architect because that's the other track, which is you get into more of the infrastructure and the technology development part of it. Like where does the company go um, in terms of like a technological future, right? Uh, so there's three tracks in my company, but everyone goes up to S SSE, uh, Senior Software Engineer, and then determines where to go. Uh, but like everything's like super conveyed to us at Appian. So first day I walk in, I see this track, right? Um, that might not be the case at every single company. Promotions work different, tracks work different, but I think Appian's super like open about this. It's like, listen, this is what you can expect. This is what's going to happen. Uh, here's your manager. 
And there's a couple of cool things at Appian um, that kind of helps you. So one of the things is every two weeks on Mondays, we have this thing called learning time, which is essentially from 12 to five, you aren't expected to do any like squad work, like teamwork. Like you can take that time to just learn about things, like anything you want, right? So a lot of people like read books and just sit there for like five hours, just read some book about like clean coding or something. Um, I'm part of what we have called like chapters, which is essentially like focus groups, right? Like interest groups. So like one of our things is like front end chapter uh, where we just learn about like front end technologies, like React and stuff like that. So I work with React every day. So we kind of created that chapter uh, just to like develop more. Um, but there's other ones like machine learning chapter and stuff like that. Uh, so a lot of times in your workplace, if something is supported like that, and I think this is the coolest part of Appian, uh, like we have learning time, I think this Monday. Um, I like really look forward to that, right? Because you can actually take time at your work to, to kind of figure out what you want to do, right? And I know a lot of companies, you might not have this opportunity, right? Um, which I think a lot of companies should move towards. I think that's like one of the great things about Appian that I learned during my interviews that I really loved is at, the more time you can use at work to figure out what you want to do, uh, like even better, right? So take time with your like manager to do like one-on-ones, like during your one-on-one, just sit down and be like, listen, I kind of don't know, if you don't know what you want, just be like, I kind of don't know what I want, mm -hmm. right? What do you suggest? Like I look towards, like here's my goals and here's my things. Um, Appian has like a separate take at management, which is our managers never work on our teams, almost never. And managers are more like enablers, right? So your interaction with your manager is usually on your one-on-one. So like I don't talk to my manager until it's like my one-on-one kind of deal, right? Cause so they're not like micromanaging me or anything. They don't know everything I'm on a day-to-day -day basis, which gives them like a super high level view. And so they can just say, okay, you, you're doing your own thing at work. I'm not looking at it. I'm not imposing my opinion on it. So you tell me what you want, right? Um, so I, I've talked to my manager. I've had like super open conversations. And if you work at a company where your manager is kind of like that, like an enabler, um, and like just helps you become better rather than like a micromanager, I think that's super great because you can just use him as a resource. Right? Just be like, listen, this is what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Why don't you give me like a little outside look from like what I'm saying, right? Like what track should I go do? What, what things do you know about the company that I should do? Um, so use people at your work, use your time at your work uh, to just kind of understand what your future can be at work. Um, so like my future is to mostly be in software development. Like I have interest in like driving the technology behind the company, so I might go on that track. Uh, I might go down the middle track, which is purely software development. Um, but I know, right? Uh, so I can take the next couple of years and um, Another good thing to know is you should you should kind of talk to your manager like very openly about promotion plans and like where you're going because I think a lot of times people work at companies and they have this conversation with their managers they're like can I get promoted what's my promotion thing looking like and a lot of times they're like oh just keep doing what you're doing and then we'll see right I think that's like a super red flag like mm -hmm. you you shouldn't take that as an answer right you should be like I'm kind of doing everything I'm doing and that's why I'm asking you this right so you should have like a definitive answer for me. Like, oh, okay, yeah, like I brought this up. Here's a promotion plan. We can fill this out. We can go through this. And when you've hit all this, I can definitely tr take you to the promotion committee, right? You should look for um, like concrete answers in terms of that. Because that's your career, man. You, you, can't, you can't play with this, right? You can't just take like a, um, if someone was asking you about your investment, like if you had a broker and they were like, just give me your money, we'll kind of figure it out. You would never do that, right? You'd yeah, be like, where are you investing it, right? Yeah, you would want to. Exactly. And this is your career. You're investing in your career. Your manager's like your broker. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're investing your time in this company. You should have someone there that's like playing, um, that's your quarterback, right? You give them the ball, 
quarterbacks calling the shots, right? Uh, so you should, you should be the person that gives the ball to your manager and says, where do you want me to go? What play do you want me to run, right? And that should be your guy, right? And so find that guy, find that girl at your company that kind of gives you like straight answers, right? Tells you what to do to get to where you need to be. Um, and I think that's something you can do at work um, beyond just finding people, finding time. So my three things are like, find, use the time at your work to figure out like what you want to do, use the people at your work. And then the third thing would be like, find your mentor, like guy, person that can like kind of guide you and give you like definitive answers, right? Um, don't get, don't get stuck in the trap where it's like, do what you do, what you're doing. You're doing good work, but we don't know. We don't know this, how many years it's going to take. Maybe a position will open up. These are like super red flags to me. And I personally wouldn't work at a company that did that. Um, because to me, I like having like clear goals. I'm like, okay, I'm doing all this. I'm impacting the company. I, a lot of people are like seeing my work. Why am I not getting promoted? Right? Like, why are you, why are you saying like, it could be two years, it could be three years. Like, tell me, right? Um, so I think that's super important. I lost track of the original question, which was like, what I want to do, right? Yeah. In like, in like three or five years. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep it on with it. So, so, yeah. <laughs> and so that's something I think a lot of times you have to like consider is because when I came out of college, I was like, I have no idea, man. Like I, I, I kind of did computer engineering. I have engineering, I have computer science. I like doing computer science, but I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. Do I want to start my own company? Do I want to continue what I was doing? Uh, do I want to learn new things? You just don't know. Um, so just use your time at work, use the people around you at work. So like I value learning time that I was saying at my company a lot uh, is because I just want to know, like I want to touch other parts of the code at like a non-stressful setting. And so we have other things called like indie time, which is essentially once every two weeks on Fridays where you can use five hours to work on anything work related. So yeah, we have this indie time uh, where you can just take five hours out of your day, like after lunch, to kind of work on whatever you want, right? So th this is different from learning time because learning time is you can literally do anything, right? You can have like a self-help book and just use that. But indie time is more like you have to kind of contribute to something in the company, but this gives you a chance to go beyond your squad, right? I'm doing this, 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 this every day. I have indie time. Now I can actually pick up something from some other team that I'm interested in and kind of like work on that. Um, so use those opportunities at your work too. Like whatever opportunity you have at your work to go beyond your day-to-day, -day, like take it, like take it with like both hands, right? Because uh, that's your chance to figure out what you want to do at the company. If you don't see like your, your company moving in like a technologically like progressive way for you, um, like if, you, if you're like reaching across teams and they're like, oh, like they don't want us to use this new technology. They don't want us to do this. There's not good discussions happening. We don't know where like our future is. Like you know that like that team is struggling, right? And then you know that team is struggling and then you, you're like, oh, that team's doing well. So you kind of know that that team is where you want to go, right? So I'm actually a big believer that you shouldn't be stuck on a team for too long. Um, my goal is like a couple quarters, maybe a year on a team and then just move. You got to move, mm -hmm. right? Otherwise you will not progress. You will not know about your company. You will not know where your company is going and what, what opportunities are available at your company. Um, so promotion is good because that's like titles and levels, right? But ultimately, if you want to see yourself at the company, you, you have to expand. Um, and I know doing internship is like super hard, you're on a team, whatever, right? But don't, don't just settle there, right? You're an intern, you, you are, they're training you to work there one day, right? So just use that time to reach out to people and then just learn about what's happening at the company. I think you have to be super aware of what's going on overall and not just in your team because that actually helps you guide your career plan, right? So now I'm sitting here 
one year on from joining and now I have like such a better idea of what I want to do because I know where my company's going. I know what my goal for it, like a couple months is. I've like talked to my manager. My manager's been super clear to me that this is what you need to do and you'll get promoted by October, right? Um, and I know like my immediate future. I know my team's future and I know the company's future, all right? So the more holistic view you have about your company, I think career goals at that point is like just super self-evident to you. Uh, you're like, oh, I really love my, the technology perspective my company is taking. You're going to become an architect. I really love the day-to-day -day of my uh, company. You're going to become a software developer, right? And then you're like, oh, my company's kind of struggling on the processes. I want to fix this. You're going to go into the processes thing, right? I think a lot of focus is put on, like, you have to, like, think about where you're going to be in five years. But I think if you take the right approach, a lot of it becomes super self-evident. You're, you're sitting there, you're like, I don't need to think about it. This is what I want to do because this is what I feel I'm getting from my surroundings. Mm -hmm. um, so I think at some point when you, when you feel comfortable about your career goals and you're just sitting there, like that's like the sweet spot. You're like, I don't need to think about where I'm going because it's just self-evident to me. I'm just doing what I need to do and I'm already on that track. So I think that's, that would be like my final comment. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> yeah, great, yeah, great stuff. So Sam, I, we've talked about a lot of stuff you had a lot of great advice again i want to thank you so much for doing this um yeah this is i've never done anything like this before but. man this this was a good podcast i've been following ben ben's channel i i read all your comments too like sometimes i'm like oh let me go through like is my man's getting some hate or not <laughs> <laughs> um and i know a lot of you are like worried about like internships and jobs and stuff like that so a lot of times yeah you get caught up in the like oh i gotta get a job i gotta do everything but you, you have to survive at the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> like getting the job is one thing, you can get fired the next day, like if you don't like fit the culture. So focus on like getting your technicals and everything. Like I'm actually not a huge like proponent of like spending your time doing like lead code and everything. It works for some people, it's just not me. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of value comes from what you do outside of it. So like contributing to open source projects, mm -hmm. like learning about technology. Because once you go in and someone's like explaining like how Jenkins works and you're like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. like that, that's so much more valuable than like, oh, you could like, uh, balance a tree or something <laughs> like yeah. no, no one cares yeah. about that yeah. um, and like, like if you're like oh I already worked on like a huge Python project a huge Java project I know like how to navigate le legacy code that actually makes you like super powerful like you can get a job with lead code but to survive you need all these other skills mm -hmm. so it, it's a good balance to strike definitely um, I would suggest to like focus on your technical skills for sure but if you work beyond that if you work on like open source projects if you work on different projects you eventually in my opinion, you build up enough skills, right? Like, so now I haven't done lead code forever, right? Mm -hmm. But if someone gave me like a technical problem, I, I can read through this, I can reason through it because I have enough experience like just building code, right? And I might not get like the optimal solution, but I can talk about like what are the trade-offs, like what trade-offs I'm making, why I did this, why I did that. Uh, so I think there's some base technical skills that lead code helps you like super sharpen, uh, but it's not enough to quite make you survive in your workspace mm -hmm. and you definitely have to work on your personality a lot more you have to work on just good technical knowledge rather than just that so if you guys are worried about jobs and stuff like that it, it'll come to you like i was getting internships like march right uh super late uh but yeah that, that'd be my take on it uh the real world is so much more different uh, i used to be like on cs career questions on reddit just wondering yeah. about all these like, yeah, things, yeah, right? yeah. I, I that. everyone does that right because yeah. and you're just like oh my god like everyone's getting these offers i'm not getting them but once you get in there, like, you got to be there eight hours a day. You better, you better make sure, like, you love those eight hours. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Yeah. Cool. 
great advice yeah that's all i got cool man thanks <laughs> see yeah. you guys see ya.